Awesome. Hey, man. Hey, why don't we just give God a huge hand clap in this place? Let's be really thankful to the Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. Yes, God. You're awesome, Lord. Lord, we just love you so much. I pray you come, Holy Spirit. Be with us here tonight. Thank you that you fall on those who are thirsty. You fall on those who are desperate for you. The God, you never leave us nor forsake us. The Holy Spirit, you are our ever-present help in time of need. And we are in need here tonight. I pray that as we speak about your body, Christ, your church, that we indeed need the Holy Spirit to unite us, to keep us walking together in one accord. And I pray that here tonight, we would be reminded of who we are in Christ, who we are as a body, who we are to one another, and who we are to the world. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would unite us here tonight, that where there is fear and anxiety about community, where people feel isolated or feel on the fringe, I thank you, Lord God, that tonight they would feel completely baptized, submerged into your body. God, I pray for people that are feeling disconnected because of offense or hurt. I pray that tonight the sweet power of the Holy Spirit would come and cleanse their heart here tonight. And God, I thank you that you would remind each and every one of us that we need each other and that we need you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Church, why don't we begin to just pray? I'd love us to pray for our pastors heart and that's just for a little bit. I think we can't preach about the church without praying for our leaders. And uh, so why don't we just all stretch our hands out to them right now. Father God, I thank you for this incredible couple. I thank you, Lord God, for the years and years and years and years of faithfulness. And that God, you have molded and shaped them into such exceptional leaders, Lord God, and exceptional people and exceptional pastors. And I thank you, Father God, that what is in them, Lord God, is so huge. And you know, guys, I was just in worship. I saw God put a shield around you and a helmet on your head. And I feel like the dreams that are inside of you and the vision that you have for this place that at times is, is comes under attack with, with the enemy, I feel that you don't need to be afraid that God is actually protecting that and you are to continue to dream big, to see big, and that God will call what is in you to come out in his time and in his season. And as a church, we are called to pray for our leaders. And so as you are lifting up your own life every day, I want you to lift up these leaders Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that you would surround them with blessings, surround them with goodness, surround them with hope, surround them with joy. I thank you that their house would be a place of refuge and joy, Lord God, a place where anything is impossible, Father God, and that God, as they come into this house, Lord God, they would bring that spirit, Father God, that indeed all things are possible, Lord God, that indeed, God, you were going to do something incredible within this church in the life of their leadership, Lord God, and we thank you already what you're doing, Lord God, that it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And God, we lift up the youth ministry of this church. We thank you, Father God, that in this next uh, season, Lord God, with this event, Lord God, it is not just an event, but Lord, it is a statement, Lord God, that the youth of Sydney in this city, Father God, are alive to Christ and dead to sin. That God, they are alive to Christ and dead to their own pursuits. That God, they would join as one, Lord God, to see a generation changed and shifted forever, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that the greatest days of what you're going to do in the young generation of this 
city is yet to come, Lord God. And God, as the leaders unite as one force, Lord Jesus, with one vision, Lord God, to see Jesus Christ elevated, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your favor is on that. We thank you, Lord, for every leader here tonight. If you're a Connect leader, just lift your hands. Father, I thank you for every Connect leader and every pastor. You would fill them with the Holy Spirit and fill them with your peace and be with us here tonight in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, uh, why don't you find your seats? And um, God really likes his church. He loves it. And God, I believe, really loves this church. I know it. And uh, there is just something special about this community. And I think we need to be consistently recaptured by what we have in one another and what we have here. And so I hope to be able to do that with you here tonight. Uh, My intention is for you to realize what indeed you have been baptized into. Um, that, That as we are baptized into Christ, we in turn are baptized into His body. And that we cannot separate these, although sometimes we separate them in terms of taking membership and and the actual physical activity of that, we can't forget that theologically, as we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into His body. And uh, so, you can't basically do this alone. The, the, The crux of my message is this, is that we need each other. We need each other. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12 and 13 says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Just as the body is one, just as I am one body made up of many different parts, so it is with Christ, so it is with the Messiah, so it is with Jesus and His plans of how He was going to transform this world, was that He would do it through many people with one spirit. It says that For in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. This is great. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. The point of Paul's discourse in chapter 12 and leading into chapter 13, which is all about love, is this, that we need each other. We need each other. Uh, To be baptized, submerged into Christ, uh, for particularly the audience that Paul is talking to here, again, to be submerged or baptized into Jesus for a first century believer was to be baptized into a body. They knew that, that the Christian walk was never an individual walk, it was always a walk of community. Community with God, and that's the great power when it says they are baptized by the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit... His ultimate mission is that of connection. He, he, he lives within Himself as a community of love with the Father and the Son. The Father, Son, and Spirit are an internal community of love represented so strong and together united that indeed they are one God with three distinct persons loving one another. And the Holy Spirit is the love that holds that love together. And He brings us into that community of love. He is a great, great connector. He connects us into community with God, but then it says in this Scripture that He also connects us in community with each other. That's a powerful thing. 
that He is connecting us in community with God. He is restoring us to a relationship with God, where we have found sin and things that separate us from Jesus. The Holy Spirit, as we accept Christ by faith, brings us back into restored relationship with God. But as He does that, equally so, He is restoring us in relationship to one another. Ephesians 2, you break it down and it all starts with the fact that the cross has has removed all of our things that would alienate us from God, but then he goes on to talk about the things that alienates us from one another. The power of the cross is that it does connect us indeed with God, but then back to each other. It's amazing. He reminds the Corinthian church that they were baptized, submerged into one body. He uses a past tense of the Greek verb baptizo, He uses past tense, so baptizo is to say, I baptize. He is saying, you have been baptized. The only ever time you will find this word being used in the New Testament is in Romans 6, when he says, how can we continue to sin if we have been baptized into Jesus? How can we, if we are to then bring that context to this scripture, how can we remain alone, isolated, individual, pursuing our own pursuits if we have indeed been baptized into one body, into one body. To be baptized was, was to give up what I used to have, to repent from my old life and completely be submerged into the new life. For them in, in this context, they're thinking back, all the way back to the, the journey of Exodus from, from the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And they pass through the waters of the Red Sea, leaving forever the slavery that they had been connected to, going into a new community of the people of God, looking forward to a promised land. And for the New Testament church, we indeed are submerged into Christ, leaving our old life through the waters of baptism into a new community, looking forward to indeed the return of Jesus Christ, our eternal hope, our eternal promised land. This is what it means to be baptized, to be completely submerged into what we believe, completely submerged. So likewise, as the believers were baptized into Christ, they were baptized into this body, into a new family, a new community. They were letting go of their old loyalties and attaching to this one pursuit together, this one great body. It's amazing. And the amazing phenomenon of the church is that it took people of extreme diversity, Greeks, Jews. It's unheard of for Greeks and Jews to be connected together. It's unheard of for Greeks and Jews to be seen together. But through the Holy Spirit and this great new connection under one head, Jesus Christ, He unites us. And tonight, there are many different people in this room. And you might be able to even look at the person next to you and say, normally we wouldn't get on. Normally we wouldn't connect. But through the power of Christ and the redemptive power of His blood and and sacrifice in our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are connected. If I was to do an exercise, which I won't, because I've learned people don't tend to listen to me when I try to get them to do things they don't want to. But If I was to make you stand up and go and sit with someone else in this room that you'd never met before, just go and sit down, it might feel a little awkward, but it shouldn't feel strange. It shouldn't feel so awkward that that it's uncomfortable, because indeed we are one body. That's the power of what we believe, that it unites us in a pursuit. It unites us together. 
I, I think it's fascinating that he uses the term one body. He doesn't say we are baptized into a kind of connected community. We are baptized into a mostly getting along community. He says we're baptized into one body, meaning that you cannot distinguish any longer. Although we have individual, uh, individual differences, and, 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 but we are, we are united with such strength. And the power of the early church was that it was so united in its cause. It was so united in its belief. It was so united that this tiny new church unnerved the most powerful empire of the day. Rome was nervous about the new church because they were so united and so consistent in their pursuit. They unnerved the most powerful religious, political, and financial established things of the day. As one community, one church represented through different local expressions, they were living out this cause of Christ. They were living out being the, mes the message to the world. They were living out being the message of Christ. And the church today is no different. We today are the community of God connected together, united in love, united by the Holy Spirit, and united under the one head, Jesus Christ. And we are here to live out that message, to live as Christ's representation on this earth as his body. We live out to be the functional existence of God in this community. We function as reflectors of his love as people that have received an unmerited, undeserved love that has been poured out in us, we in turn should be reflecting that love out to the world. We should be reflecting grace and acceptance and love, not only out to the world, but toward one another. We reflect His love. We are announcers of His good news. What's crazy is that as you announce your own personal testimony, we indeed can announce a community testimony that God has done something not just in the life of one person here, but in the life of many. That He has done something in all of us and united us in something that is far greater than what we used to live for. That what God is doing in us together is just extremely outweighs anything that he that we had been pursuing in our own lives that now we have been brought in and we announce this good news we are examples of his transformative power it's amazing when god changes you individually it's something else when he changes an entire community that all of a sudden, again, these people that shouldn't be getting along or we should normally just be fighting and backbiting, but for some reason we live with this sense of forgiveness and grace for one another. For some reason we begin to take ownership of our lives for each other and transformed by the Holy Spirit. We move and, and work as a trans, a reflection, sorry, an example of His transformative power. And ultimately, we are a signpost to hope. We are a signpost to eternal life. As we indeed are in relationship with Jesus, and then in relationship with one another, we represent out to the world a sign of the cross that here is hope. 
that here we believe in something beyond this life, that here we believe, in fact, in a different type of life, that true life is Jesus, that true life is His pursuit, that the things that we used to chase and live for that only caused us to, to, to take and to steal and to rob and to, to push people down, we now live for something completely different. We live to give. We live to, to love. We live for Christ. It's awesome. That's who we are. That is what it is to be His church. It's a big call. It's an incredible call. It's an amazing call. But in order to function for God, we have to function as one. We have to function as one. Connection is intentional. Everything that God gives us is then lived out in an intentional way. God forgives me, redeems me, restores me, but then I must live intentionally for Him. He offers me a relationship that, that is supposed to go deeper and deeper every day of my life, but I must be intentional to live out that truth. And in, our, in this body, He offers us a connection, a community that should be greater than any other relationship we've ever experienced, but we have to be intentional in our connection. We have to be intentional to fight for connection because ultimately we need one another. If he, Hebrews 10, sorry, it says this, let us draw near, let us. I think sometimes it's, it's interesting how we can so uh, turn our walk with Jesus into an individual experience. I don't know about you, but often I would read that and go, let me draw near with a true heart. Because again, it's about my pursuit of Jesus and my relationship with Jesus. But we forget that Paul is consistently trying and the writers of scripture are consistently trying to get people to see that you don't get to live for you anymore. That you were indeed baptized into Christ and baptized into one body. So let us draw near with a true heart. That's why we need you to come every single week, because we are incomplete when people stop turning up, because actually we encourage one another by turning up, because we are called to us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Do you know that if you are lacking in faith, the greatest thing you can do is get connected to other believers of faith, and they will lift up your faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Don't ever let the feeling that maybe you're not good enough, or maybe you're still wrestling with this area, and therefore somehow you can't connect with this community because it seems so perfect, it seems so together. Let me tell you right now, it's not. And you're welcome. You're welcome dirty, you're welcome clean, you're welcome broken, you're welcome here. And together, we are reminded by Christ Jesus that by faith alone, He has, re he has cleansed us, brought us, re renewed us in him and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. But sometimes we need other people to remind us that he who promised is faithful. You need the church to be able to remind you of the realities and truth of what Jesus has said. Because when you live by yourself and you walk this out by yourself, you will find that your mind is consistently getting in the way. And you need other thoughts and other voices beyond just what Scripture says. You need people to appropriate that truth in your life by being a consistent voice of encouragement in our world. 
And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. It is dangerous as a Christian if you're not doing anything with your faith. You can quickly slide back into a meistic approach of life. And that is a terrible way to live as a Christian. Because ultimately Jesus doesn't care about that. He loves you and cares about you 100%. And you can trust in Him for all your needs. But God does that, that we can consistently look out. He says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. But when we live in a self-seeking world, we begin to mix up what we believe about God. And suddenly God doesn't turn up in an area we thought God was going to turn up. But that's because that doesn't matter, because this life is not real. That what we are looking forward to is something that outweighs anything that we can experience right now. And for us to encourage one another, stir up each other, say, man, that sucks that that happened. But pray. Praise Jesus, let's go love someone. Let's get out of ourselves and go and serve someone. Because I don't know about you, as soon as I stop thinking about me and start looking out, life seems tolerable again. Because we were made, created to be a vessel where the love of God can flow in and sustain and fulfill and create all of our identity and needs and then flow out. And that is what we do for one another. No turning back. All right. Last verse. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. Put courage in one another, and all the more as you see the draw, day drawing near. Not neglecting to meet each other or together, as is the habit of some. There is great danger for a Christian in isolation. I love isolation. I do. Um, I'm on, I, has anyone ever done their Myers-Briggs? Yeah, so it kind of tells you what kind of personality you are, and some people are extroverted and some people are more introverted. I used to be, like, extroverted until I started, like, talking to people for a job. So I used to be a case manager before I was a pastor. Now I'm a pastor, and I'm constantly talking to people. I've slidden way back to introvert. And so there is nothing more blissful to me than the idea of no one. The idea of just isolation, and every introvert here is just going, this is, you're, you're, now you're preaching. Now, before I didn't like you, but now I like you. And for me, just to sit back in my chair and just have like 20 minutes before my kids get home or, or 20 minutes, and, and it's just beautiful. And, and there's nothing wrong with you, with you having time. Jesus consistently withdrew, particularly when you withdraw, withdraw yes, withdraw with the Lord, particularly when you, when you take that time and, and just sit and receive and let God love on you. But listen to me, that is, that is a moment in time. That is something that you need to do for yourself, but you were not created to be in isolation consistently. And that is the power that we have church every week is that we need, and we have connect group every week, is that we need to consistently come back and draw together. And what the writer of this scripture is saying is he says, do not fall in the habit of stop doing that. Do you know that right now in the States, and I'm pretty sure it's consistent with Australia, is that the average attendance of church is once a month. That's dangerous. Isolation for a Christian is dangerous. If a member of my body disconnects, my arm just decides it's had enough of me, which I could understand, and it just flops off, my body will survive. My body will keep going because my body can live without an arm. It'll be uncomfortable and probably a little bit 
trickier, but, but my body will survive. My arm will not. It will cease to function and eventually die. And, and when you leave the church, the church will keep going because Jesus builds his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus has a plan for his church. You see, it is not about the church being served by you in terms of the church needs you. And if the church offends me, then I'm out. You can't afford to think like that. We have to stop taking, uh, sorry, stop blaming other people for our disconnection and isolation and begin to take responsibility and say, I need to be here. I've got to stay connected because I am needed, I, sorry, I need the body to survive in Christ. I actually need to remain connected because isolation will kill you. And the devil will use any divisive thing he can to pop you out and disconnect you and dislodge you because he knows if he can get you isolated, he can disconnect you from people and eventually from Christ. Disconnection is dangerous. And for the early church, they were finding that persecution was the thing that was disconnecting. But the things that we face today are a little bit more subtle, but no less divisive. They're things like the pace of life. Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. Because there is something about this world that is always on. And life is always happening. And there's always things going on. And I've got to get my kids to 15 different activities. Because if I don't, I'll look stupid on Instagram. Or I'll compare myself to the other parents that are doing a billion things. I've got to be at every single event. Because if I'm not, I'm somehow disconnected socially from what's happening in my circles. I have to be at everything. And I've got to speed up. I've got to keep up. And that pace of life is destroying us. It is unstainable sustainable. (laughs) It drives us into a rhythm of life that is leading to burnout, physical burnout, emotional burnout, and indeed relational burnout. We need to keep connected to God and one another, and that means we have to fight the pace of life and prioritize what really matters. There's a great scripture, and I'm, I'm pulling it to a context that doesn't apply, so forgive me, don't cry out heresy. But Jesus says, narrow is the way that leads to life, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There is a pace in this world that will tell you that you don't need to prioritize the house of God, that you don't need to prioritize these relationships, that, you know what, I'm a Christian, I can just go around with this. Listen, we have to consistently fight against what the world is trying to drag us into. We are in the church in the world, not in the world attending the church. There is a difference. I'm not talking about isolating or disconnecting us from the world. I'm talking about prioritizing Christ, prioritizing our relationships in Him first and foremost. We need to fight the pace and prioritize time and space for each other. Call one another. As soon as you think of each other, whenever you just, someone pops in, that's the Holy Spirit, call that person. Oh, I, just call them. If you're in the car, wherever you can, make make. Make it a priority. Eat together. After church, during the week, join a connect group. If you're not in a connect group, stop saying, oh, I don't really fit in. No, just join a connect group. Make a decision to get connected. And you will find that as you get connected to people around you, everything you thought was the problem with you, with with the church, with, with God, suddenly all these things become 
in perspective as we get other people speaking into those areas. It's incredible. All right. Oh, two minutes. Okay, I'm going to skip the... Okay, cool. Thank you, Pastor. Disappointment and distrust. When our expectation of this community are not met, we are left with two options, to remain hurt or forgive. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive one another, anyone, sorry, who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Don't let offense sit on your heart. Quickly choose to forgive. Quickly. Remember that as I am being changed, so are the people that I fellowship with. I I like this idea of safe assumptions. You know when they say assumptions are, are not so great? I believe there are safe assumptions. Assume that they will get it wrong. Just assume that the people you come to church with are one day going to get it wrong. Assume that your wonderful pastors, who are very close to being Jesus, are not Jesus. And one day they will get it wrong. And therefore, you, you live with an attitude ready to forgive. Because you won't get it right all the time either. Assume the best, but also assume that people are getting it wrong. Assume that they didn't mean it. Just live with this idea that, no, it's all good. I forgive them. I let it go because often they didn't. They haven't. But if we allow these things to get in our heart and slowly divide us, and, and this might not be a message for you considering you're here tonight, but maybe you know someone, and maybe you need to reach out and say sorry. Maybe you need to reach out and reconnect, but we can consistently help one another to trust and forgive each other. And the last one, that, that the thing that can disconnect us is familiarity. When we fail to recognize the value of something, it does not change its value, but it does stop us from experiencing it. Have you become too familiar with something that is incredible? That by all rights shouldn't be happening. By all rights, this is weird to the world, what we do here. This is incredible, what God does in this place. We have to recapture I won't, I won't go into the scripture just for time's sake, but it says in, in Acts 2, it talks about how they were all connected, they all shared all things, and it says, and they were in great awe came on all of them. They lived with a sense of awe about this place. Most of the time, I'm a really good husband. Um, when, I, when I begin to fail to do my husbandry duties and put the rubbish out and and, and do the things not just as a kind of like, a, oh, that's right, I said I'd do that a week ago, but actually live intentionally and really is generally when I've become too familiar with how awesome my wife is and how incredibly blessed I am and the reality that I seriously married up. And I think in relationships, when, when famili- familiarity gets in the way, it disconnects us because we, we begin to treat what is incredible as a common thing. And I think sometimes we can be in danger of treating this community as a common thing because we do it all the time. But we have to recapture the awe of how great this church is and how much we need it. We have to recapture the awe of what we have for each other and recapture the awe of what we have here.
what we have, sorry, when what we have, oh, I'm just realizing my sentence here doesn't make sense. I will edit as I go. (laughs) What we have, we can forget the world desperately needs. And as much as they need a Savior in Jesus Christ, they also need, sorry, not as much, but they also need a community. They are desperately looking for real community, real acceptance, and real love. Let us be a people that are consistently in awe of what we have here. That indeed we have been baptized into something that is just so astonishing. That we are pumped to go to church every Sunday. That that we are radically inclusive in the sense that we are not just welcoming, but that we are inviting. That, That we can't help but tell people about what God is doing in this place. That we live with an expectation and a desire to remain connected. Amen. God loves us, each and every one of us. He loves you, and He has used His community to keep us connected both to God and to each other and to His mission for this world. He wants to use this church to change this city. Amen? Amen. But before we can function for God, we have to function as one because we need each other. And maybe here tonight there are things you know that have disconnected even your heart because you can be turning up to something but still not turning up to something. Does that make sense? You might have experienced that as a, as a dad, like you're, you're in the conversation with your kids, but you're not really in the conversation with your kids, or you're just as a friend, you're in the conversation with a friend, but you're not really in the conversation with your friend, you're thinking about McDonald's or something else. And we, we can be here, but not be here. We, we can be paying our tithe and see it kind of as like our membership due, We're, we've done our thing, we've turned up, we've paid, but let's be here. Let's get rich, recapture what we have here and live for what this church is living for, to see an entire community changed and shifted for Jesus Christ. Take ownership. Come and talk to the team and say, what can I do? Where can I serve? How can I get involved? How can I get more connected? Just totally sell out in terms of your belief and desire and passion for this place. It's awesome. Why don't we close our eyes?